we are going to go into a time of Bible reading. Um, so we're going to be reading to um, the Bible today. So we'll be con- so if you could open up or flick to Proverbs 31, and we'll be reading from verse 10 to the end. Thirty-one, verse ten. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is more than rubies. She all the days of her life. She selects flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are sore for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grabs the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is Honour her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. We're now going to turn to Ephesians 2 and we're going to be reading from verses 1 to 10. Ephesians 2. 1 to 10. As you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, and the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among, among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, We were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Thanks, Claudia. Uh, Let's pray as we look at God's word together. Father, we do thank you for your word to us and thank you for the time that we've been able to spend in Proverbs uh, these last few months. Uh, Help us this morning to listen to what you have to say to us in Proverbs 31, that we might be challenged, encouraged and built up uh, to love and serve the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, Well, over the past week, uh, we've all seen uh, in the wake of the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, uh, just the outpouring of tributes uh, for Queen Elizabeth. Uh, There have been visual tributes that have given us snippets into different parts of her life and her reign. Uh, There's the testimonial of the queue that is uh, lining up to see her body. Uh, Currently, 15 hours expected wait time. I know yesterday it hit uh, a minimum of 24 hours was uh, at some point uh, around this time yesterday. Uh, But of course, there's also words. Uh, BBC recorded uh, some of the words that numerous leaders from around the world uh, have offered in condolence uh, and praise uh, of Queen Elizabeth. Uh, But some of the warmest words I've read uh, were from former US President Barack Obama. Uh, He wrote in a statement uh, about the Queen, uh, she listened deeply, thought strategically, and was responsible for considerable diplomatic achievements, and yet, She wore her lofty titles with a light touch, as willing to act in a comic sketch for the London Olympics as she was to record steadying messages for the people of the UK during the COVID-19 lockdowns. Back when Michelle and I were just beginning to navigate life as President and First Lady, she welcomed us to the world stage with open arms and extraordinary generosity. Time and again, we were struck by her warmth the way she put people at ease and how she brought her considerable humour and charm to moments of great pomp and circumstance. Uh, It's a reflection on specific instances that just reveal something about her character. Uh, And in that respect, uh, the words of Barack Obama about Queen Elizabeth uh, bear some similarity with this final passage from Proverbs that we have in front of us this morning. We've been looking at Proverbs, uh, the Bible's book of collected wisdom sayings, and we've been seeing that Proverbs wants us to be wise. It wants us to tune our perspectives, our practices, and our passions to how the world works, that we might live in it joyfully. Uh, We've seen that the starting point for this wise life is building your life on God's love and faithfulness alone. Uh, The phrase that Proverbs often uses to capture this is, fearing the Lord. And we've considered what wisdom looks like using some of the lenses that Proverbs gives us. We've seen uh, what wisdom looks like in how we use our words, in how we plan things, in the relationships we have with our families, with our friends, and in rest and work. Uh, But this morning, we've reached the end of the book. But of course, Proverbs 31 can be kind of a fraught passage. Uh, It's the sort of passage we could wonder and read and wonder, what what am I meant to do with this? Uh, We might read it and feel inadequate because of the impossibly high standards this woman seems to set for us. Uh, Maybe even angry at the thought that a passage like this might be twisted and weaponized by abusive partners. Passage carefully, I think we see that far from being any of those things, uh, Proverbs 31 wants us to see the goodness of wisdom lived out. 
that we visit where we see it, partner with wisdom where we can, and pursue wisdom with total devotion. I think that's what we're going to see in the passage this morning uh, in our three parts. Uh, who is she? Uh, why is she here? And who is she to us? Um, I wondered about throwing in some controversy and suggesting that I think we'll still see it has something to say to young men who are thinking about who we should marry. But I thought that also might be kind of a, an unhelpful start of controversy. But, you know, uh, let's see what Proverbs 31 has to say to us today. So who is this woman that Proverbs 31 describes? As we wrestle with this passage and what we're meant to make of it, who is this woman is a key question to answer. One option here at the end of the book is that, well, is it just lady wisdom again, the jewel in the crown of the wisdom that Proverbs has drawn our attention to, this personification of wisdom that we've met back in the opening chapters? I mean, it's certainly possible. There's a lot that links the woman of Proverbs 31, with the personification of wisdom that we saw at the start of the book. Uh, for example, on the screen we'll see uh, back at the start of the book, uh, Lady Wisdom calls out, let all who are simple come to my house. Uh, to those who have no sense, she says, come, uh, eat my food, drink the wine I have mixed, leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Uh, that was Lady Wisdom, personified wisdom that we met back at the start of the book. Uh, she calls out for people to follow her. And there are links with her and the woman that we just heard read about in Proverbs 31. Uh, so, for example, both wisdom and the woman of Proverbs 31, they're described as being more precious than jewels. Uh, at the start, uh, chapter 315, wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Or 811, again, wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. And in chapter 31, this wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. There's a link there. Similarly, wisdom provides security, and this woman in Proverbs 31 has security. Uh, chapter 1, verse 33, whoever listens to me, says wisdom, will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Then we see in this woman in chapter 31, when it snows, she has no fear for her household, uh, for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She's clothed in strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Uh, she is safe. She is living with ease without fear of harm. There's a link there between the two. Wisdom at the start offers riches and honour, and the, the, the lady in Proverbs 31 seems to have it. So, at the start, wisdom, long life, is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honour. Here in chapter 31, the woman considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Her husband is respected at the city gates, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Riches and honour. There's another link there. Or again... Lady Wisdom and the woman of Proverbs 31 both speak wise words. Lady Wisdom says, listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. And the woman of Proverbs 31, it says she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. And finally, wisdom is seen as being a fear of the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Or verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And this woman in chapter 31, 
Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. There is a lot that links the woman of Proverbs 31 with the personification of wisdom that we met at the start of the book. Proverbs wants us to see the links between these two, between this woman in 31 and the personification of wisdom at the start of the book. But at the same time, there are differences as well. Uh, While wisdom was personified at the start of the book, now we seem to really be considering more of a person. Uh, Previously, it was uh, kind of developed just the the feminine gender of the words. Now, uh, she's actually referred to as a a woman, as a, a person in a way that is different to the start. She's also more concrete. She has a husband, she has children, she interacts with the world, and the descriptions have moved from the more abstract to the concrete. So back at the start, uh, in the opening chapters, uh, for example, counsel and judgment are mine. I have insight, I have power, says wisdom. It's more conceptual. Whereas the woman of Proverbs 31, she considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the task. It's gone from the more abstract to the more concrete. But you can develop that a little bit further. When you look at the things that the woman of Proverbs 31 does, they're concrete expressions of a lot of the wisdom sayings we've been looking at throughout the whole book of Proverbs. Just thinking about the topics that we've considered in our series over the last few weeks, consider the way that the woman in Proverbs 31 uses words. Uh, Chapter 31, verse 26, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. We heard about the wise way to use words a few weeks ago, and she does just that. We've heard about not being a sluggard, but working faithfully. And in chapter 31, verse 27, we learn that she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Or planning, we considered planning. And this woman in Proverbs 31, we learn that when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for they're all clothed in scarlet. Uh, She can laugh at the days to come, we heard. She has planned ahead for contingencies, and so she's not worried. And we see that as she goes about these tasks, she lives wisely, teaching wisdom, uh, as we saw that family and friendships are are to be centred on, speaking wise words, building each other up. Uh, to love and fear God. This is a picture in Proverbs 31 of this woman who is living and breathing wisdom. She embodies wisdom. And much like the tributes we've heard people give in honour of the Queen, it's a picture that just shows uh, how good wisdom lived out is. The tributes to the Queen kind of show how good it is to have a, a monarch who is loved and has Uh, and has done her duty well. And this tribute here just shows what uh, a precious and beautiful and good thing it is to live a life of wisdom. The life of wisdom that Proverbs has advocated and we've been looking at over the last few months, uh, it it is good, it is beautiful. It is a picture of the sort of partners you want surrounding you in life's endeavors, the sort of life we should want to pursue ourselves. And in fact, the phrase, the woman of noble character, that it introduces uh, uh, this passage with in verse 10, it it misses something a little bit. Uh, The Hebrew word that's been translated noble character, it's typically used in military contexts. So, you know, it might be better to say a heroic woman or a valiant woman. Uh, It might capture something a bit more of the flavour. 
this is someone who is impressive. So why is she here? What is she doing here at the end of Proverbs? Well, I think her presence here, it does a few things for us. Uh, Firstly, I think one of the challenges we need to bear in mind as we think about this question, what is she doing here at the end of Proverbs? Uh, It's a challenge of English and translating the Hebrew. You see, when we read this passage in English, it can sound kind of like a checklist, right? Uh, And I think this is one of the ways we can get stuck when we read this passage and kind of go, oh, this just feels a bit awkward. We read it and hear it saying, a wife should do this, a wife should do that. She should be perfectly devoted to her children. She should be perfectly devoted to her husband. She should be involved in major economic ventures. She should be devoted to caring for the poor. Or even worse, a daily itinerary. She should get up before the sun does. She should be up late, working late into the night. I mean, she'd have to be in order to be devoted to her children, husband, business ventures, and charitable enterprises. But that's not how to understand the passage. That's not what it's saying. Firstly, I mean, it can't be a checklist of what a young man should look for in a wife. Um, I mean, we've seen how Proverbs is clear that adultery is destructive and wrong, uh, and yet the woman in the poem has a husband and children. Uh, It can't be a list of what to look for in a wife because she's already married, she already has children, and Proverbs has said, don't go there. It's not a checklist of what to look for. Nor can it be a daily itinerary or else she'd be buying a field, hiring workers and planting a vineyard all on a snowy day. It's not a checklist and it's not a daily itinerary. I think one of the important things to know about this passage is that it's poetry. It's an acrostic poem. Each verse starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The woman of Proverbs 31, it gives us an A to Z of wisdom lived out. It's not a checklist. It's not an itinerary. It's a song that reflects on the many and varied ways that this person lives out fear of the Lord. And I think that's what makes this picture actually encouraging and freeing as we look at this woman who just embodies wisdom. This wise life, the life that fears the Lord, that's taken hold of God's love and faithfulness and is seeking to reflect it outwards, it can be seen in all of life's endeavours. This is a slight tangent from the passage that we're looking at, but just to drive the point home further. In the Hebrew Bible the book that comes right after Proverbs is the book of Ruth. And I think it's telling that Ruth herself is described as a woman of noble character, a a valiant woman. And you can see clear parallels between the woman of Proverbs 31 and Ruth. Uh, Ruth fears the Lord. She's willing to leave her people and follow her mother-in-law back to Israel, placing herself in a a position that's quite vulnerable in, in worldly terms. But she does it because she fears the Lord. She gets up early to work diligently in the fields to gather enough food for her and her widowed elderly mother-in-law, a vulnerable and powerless person. She's not something who's conducting. She's not someone who's conducting trade or property transaction. She's not going to get hold of scarlet for her children. In fact, the question of what children does she have is one of the big questions without Ruth, throughout the book of Ruth. But regardless of the differences, Ruth embodies wisdom in the situations we see her in, just like we see the woman of Proverbs 31 doing. There's similarities, but there's differences as well. Caring for the family at home, conducting trade, conducting property development, conducting international business, caring for the poor, 
all of these are examples of her living out fear of the Lord in the context she finds herself in. And the fact that it's a woman who's doing all these things is also significant. This woman shows us that uh, wisdom is for all people and for all of life's endeavours. Her presence here, it cuts against any suggestion that wisdom is the province of men or for ruling men, or that a woman's place is in the home. In the wisdom that God gives his people, women have God's wisdom to contribute to all of life's endeavours. And that's one of the things we see here in Proverbs 31. Now, I don't think any of us are going to have our sensibilities challenged too much by such a claim, but when people say the Bible is misogynistic or patriarchal, it's helpful to know some of the ways the Bible upholds women as having just as much to offer as men. And the woman in Proverbs 31 does just that. But I think where the woman might challenge some of us, men and women, I know she challenges me, is to consider and continue considering the value we place on life on the home front. Because the work that goes into maintaining a household can be hard and thankless and unglamorous. It can be far more exciting, offer far more immediate rewards to make progress in a professional sphere. And in our cultural context, the significance of running and maintaining a household I think is seriously undervalued. The early mornings, the late nights, the daily uh, rotations of providing food, clothing, preparing for the next season of life that lies ahead, uh, they're exhausting, they're tiring, they're draining. Uh, You're not going to get as much praise or immediate reward as you will in the professional sphere, but they are things Proverbs 31 draws our attention to, to see the wisdom that is on display as they are done, the praiseworthiness of these tasks. The work of the household is not something that is insignificant or beneath us because they display God's wisdom. When I'm tempted to hide behind work tasks rather than doing the hard jobs of work at home, Proverbs 31 actually reminds me of just how important and precious those tasks are. They correct that imbalance in my, uh, uh, that my heart is tempted to, to go towards. So why is she here, this, this mysterious woman at the end of Proverbs? Well, because Proverbs wants to leave us with this picture of the expansiveness of wisdom, that it is for everyone and it shapes all of life's endeavours. It wants us to get a sense of how good and nourishing God's wisdom is for you and for the people around you when it's lived out. It wants us to consider some of the praiseworthy examples of wisdom so that we might praise them. Uh, To praise examples of wisdom lived out that we see. Uh, To seek to partner with people we see living wisely. And so that we might pursue wisdom ourselves in all of the spheres of life that God has given to us to steward. So who is this woman to us? you might be expecting me to say, Jesus. And if so, you're wrong. Ha, I tricked you. Um, I mean, you're not entirely wrong. Uh, you know, uh, Tala's uh, uh, kids talk at the start was really helpful. Uh, and we've seen uh, as wisdom embodied at the start of Proverbs that that is fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, Paul and the New Testament writers clearly show that Jesus is God's wisdom incarnate. 
But given that these verses paint a picture of what the bride of the king should be like, what the king should be looking for, someone who fears the Lord, uh, which as we've seen earlier in earlier talks, uh, means someone who has responded to God's graciousness and lives in response to what God has done, I suspect the stronger New Testament connection for this passage is that it's a picture of us who are brides of Christ. It is what we should look like as we live as his people. And that's not a reason to despair because, you know, we just can't live up to that standard. Uh, Firstly, because even though sin will continue to permeate even our good works, the New Testament's clear that even with our sins washed away and our our works being insufficient to merit God's favor, God has given us Christ's righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30, it is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. We have been robed in Christ's good works. Even if you look at your life and see works that are tainted with selfishness, uh, know that we stand before God, not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done and given to us. But we have still been saved to do good works, to do good works that God has prepared for us. And we heard that in our second reading. Consider the grace of God that Paul explains and the impact that it's to have on us that we heard read before from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God made us alive in Christ, graciously, through his mercy. We did not deserve it. We've done nothing to deserve it, but we have been made new, and we've been made new in Christ to do good, to do the good things that God has prepared for us to do. And I think that's kind of the inverse of the Proverbs 31 passage. 31, we have this expansive picture of this woman who, at the end, the Lord, all that she does is shaped by... Uh, understanding of what God has done for her and her reflecting that out. Whereas in Ephesians 2, we get to see in more depth all that God has done for us. And we finish with a pointer of going, yes, and we've been made for the good works. So the woman of Proverbs 31, it is someone for us to look to and to see what is praiseworthy, to see just how expansive are the good works that God has saved for us to do as we seek to live wisely with love and faithfulness. It's done wherever God has placed us in all the contexts that he's given us. 
It's not just for a Sunday. It's not just for Bible study. It is for our homes. It is for our commutes. It's for our workplaces. It's for everywhere. It elevates the tasks that we might either see as meaningless or pointless to being genuinely significant ways to live out a fear of the Lord. You know, as you pull yourself out of bed in the morning to settle a crying child, as you do the shopping despite being tired, as you work in the office grinding away at tasks that actually might be kind of frustrating and not what you love to do, they are all opportunities to display the wise life that we have in Christ in the way that we go about them. The woman of Proverbs 31 gives us a vision of what the wise life looks like in total. And it's breathtaking. It's the sort of life that Peter has in mind when he writes uh, to the church, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The valiant woman of Proverbs 31, it sets before us this picture of wisdom embodied. She helps us get a, get a picture of the sorts of things that we could praise, the ways that God, God's love and faithfulness are seen in how we live our lives. It's not a portrait to leave us feeling crushed or discouraged, but a picture that can inspire us, male or female, to want to be a little bit more like this singularly impressive woman. And actually, you know, given the importance that Proverbs places on finding wise partners to walk through life with, she does actually give us a sketch of the sort of people that, you know, given the choice, we should be seek to be partners with. Uh, whether it's people that you are seeking to build deep friendships with, or perhaps even what you look for in a prospective marriage partner, or what you encourage young men or women to seek in a marriage partner. It's not a checklist, but a picture of someone who seeks to reflect the love and faithfulness that God has shown us in Jesus in every part of their lives. That when you look at the big picture, you see this is someone who has been captured by God's love and reflects it out everywhere. We end our time in Proverbs. Uh, we've, as we end our time in Proverbs, we see the goodness of God's wisdom, its beauty, its praiseworthiness. We see it embodied in the life of this valiant woman and it invites us to praise wisdom where we see it, to seek to partner with it where we have opportunity and to pursue wisdom in our own lives because this woman shows us what wisdom looks like Show, she shows us what it looks like when someone has taken hold of God's love and faithfulness and is reflecting it outwards in all of their life. That's what fear of the Lord looks like. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time in Proverbs. And we thank you for this passage at the end of Proverbs that helps us to see the goodness of a life that is lived in fear of you that recognises uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the mercy that you have shown us, uh, the love that you have shown us in Jesus, and seeks to live it out in our whole lives. Father, help us to continue to look to Jesus, to see the grace and mercy and love that you have shown us there, that we might reflect it out in the, in the relationships and the situations that you have uh, prepared for us, that others might see the goodness of your ways, that when we share the good news of Jesus, they would see the impact that he makes 
that ultimately your name would be praised. Maybe not be crushed by unrealistic standards, but inspired and encouraged by the goodness of wisdom lived out, that we might praise wisdom where we see it, that we might seek to partner with it where we can, and that we might pursue it in our own lives. All to your glory. Amen.